Horror movies are more than just empty thrills. They are a mirror that reflects the darker sides of our culture and our psyche. Each episode, we will go beyond the first cut and discuss the themes and topics that hide below the surface. I'm Dave, Professor of Communication. And I'm Vince, Professor of Psychology. Welcome to A Dark Impression. So this month's episode is about a um, movie genre that came about in the late 90s, although there were some traces of it uh, a little bit before. And it's a genre that kind of uh, took over, and Dave is going to go into that a little bit more. Uh, But this month's episode is going to be on found footage. We're going to be looking at Blair Witch Project from 1999 and Unfriended from 2014. Blair Witch was written and directed by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Unfriended was written by Nelson Greaves and directed by Leo Gabriadzi. The production company was Bloomhouse, which really exploded in the horror scene after The Purge and Get Out. But they've been around since Paranormal Activity. So, Dave, you and I remember uh, how the movie, the horror movie scene was in the late 90s and then going into the uh, 2000 and. I think we both remember uh, the massive impact that Blair Witch Project had and how that kind of became the standard for a whole new, what felt like a whole new genre. So can you give us a little bit of of context and and history for why Blair Witch Project um, was such an important movie uh, for the the horror movie genre? Blair Witch, um, for those of you that are maybe too young to remember it, It was a very indie release, which was not typical for horror films at the time. Usually um, horror films had a, uh, you know, normal theatrical release. They had a higher budget. Uh, A lot of prosthetics were used in the 90s. um, And actually, 90s was dedicated to a ton of psychological horror film, more so than the the 80s, which was a lot more of those monster films. So um, what we see with the Blair Witch Project is... This ultra low budget guerrilla marketing, just uh, nobody really knew what to expect going into it. It was shot for uh, online. I found the figure of $60,000, but my guess is that's a, an inflated number. Uh, it was probably for half of that or even less. My guess is the filmmakers begged and borrowed a lot of the equipment that they used. So that cut down on the cost. And the 60000 probably, again, is an inflated number. And it, they also spent another $250,000 on studio edits and uh, mostly promotion. And uh, what ended up happening with it was, you know, for about $300,000 film, give or take, which is low budget, that made $250 million in the box office. So it proved to studios that while independent films can be risky, they can also turn a really nice profit, which kind of bled out into the 2000s. And you see films like Paranormal Activity, like Cloverfield, like Saw, that are being made that in the 90s, they wouldn't have been considered because of the low budget, because of usually no-name actors. Saw had Carrie Hughes in it, but you know otherwise. Um, and... Also, because they weren't, it, studios were afraid are afraid to invest that type of money into projects that they don't know will succeed. Blair Witch proved that yes, it can succeed, uh, and it really helped shape the horror films that even we're seeing today. Right. You you mentioned the figure of um, the revenues and 
there was some of my money in in that pile. I think it's also interesting to put ourselves back in 1999. There was a budding internet, so you could still find some stuff on the internet, but there was no social media. There was no Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. There was no Snapchat. There was no Reddit. So information that was there could have been real, could have been false. So the their their marketing strategy really tapped into that kind of urban legend approach to generate interest in that movie. But I remember going into the movie theater just with the title and a very brief description of the movie. There's really no context, no expectations, no big trailers, no bombastic kind of, of publicity. It was you stepped into the movie theater with just a, a blanket of mystery about what you were going to see. Yeah, they, they, they really didn't even have, that I recall, trailers for it. It was a lot more that, like, there was a, there was a website I remember going to, and it was like the, the Curse of the Blair Witch or something like that. And it was like, you know, this yeah. is like super tacky late 90s website. But at the time, it's like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is real. And then it opens up and it's like, we're filming a documentary. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's it's real. This is a documentary, like a horror documentary. That's kind of neat. And then it goes How about naive. Were we? I know. Uh, like, I, you know, hashtag fake remember. news. I know. <laughs> I still remember uh, that Friday nights, a friend of mine and I just going like, so what do we want to do? Uh, let's go see a movie. All right. What's in the movie theater? Well, there's that movie about a witch. I mean, that could be cool. And lo and behold, it was a Blair Witch. I think a, a huge part of why this movie is so important and such a seminal example of like a genre starter is because it was a perfect storm. You had the, the marketing campaign, you had the moment in time where you had enough to know to know that you were going to enjoy it, but not so much that spoiled everything. Uh, the perfect storm was there to make this kind of a, a such an important movie. And you also have the technology too, uh, up really up until even a few years before Blair Witch came out, the, that camcorder technology wasn't available. So now right. like you can go into at the time, like circuit city or whatever, and, uh, <laughs> test out one of these cameras that like you could, you could buy and you could go walk around the woods and film your own documentary. And so they're filming on a mix of, uh, 16 millimeter and, right. Uh, digital. So you have this mix of, of footage styles, but the digital being one that an audience can look at and it's accessible to them. So it's almost like the, the, the filmmakers on the same plane as you, they're not, they're not the ones using this, uh, you know, multi-million dollar camera setup and, you know, beautiful film. The shots themselves aren't particularly good. Uh, there's really like that kind of gritty real aspect to it that I think made it connect with a lot of people more than other horror films at the time. Yeah, and I think that's also what Unfriended attempted to do in terms of using a technology to set the movie in something that feels real to the audience. Mm -hmm. The problem with uh, Unfriended is that the digital technology that they used has evolved quickly over the last few years. I think more so than uh, the technology from uh, Bearwood Project. But I think that's that's the interest of... Um, unfriended as sort of the offspring of that genre is you have the setting that's you're on a laptop. And so the whole audience can relate to now they don't go into circuit city anymore, but um, everyone has, or a lot of people have a laptop. 
You can access uh, video conferencing software in Unfriended. They use Skype, which is uh, not used as much anymore. But there's uh, uh, chat functions, messaging. There's something that feels oddly familiar about the setting, which contrasts with some of the uh, other movies that we've talked about that are much more uh, fanciful in terms of their setting. These movies are really trying to generate fear by putting the audience in what feels like a familiar context. Yeah, I think they they work, at least for me, that works really well. I tend to not be as afraid of films that are fanciful or, you know, they have the like creature features and stuff like that. I'm like, oh yeah, this is fun, but it's, you know, think about the thing, like it's in in Antarctica, it's not going to happen to me here. Uh, whereas right. something like Blair Witch, like I could grab my camera and go into the woods. I could go camping and never come back. So let's talk about why those two movies, to a different extent, I think, and and not for everyone, but why those two movies are quite spooky. And I think the the first thing I'd like to talk about is both of them, compared to other movies that have that kind of external point of view, both of these movies are set with a very subjective point of view. So how did they manage to do that from your perspective, from the, the cinematography perspective? Yeah, I think that the the subjective point of view is a great way. And like we could do the whole, I think, the whole episode on subjective point of view, because that's really how these films create horror, because you can't see things. And it's also right. how they keep the budget down. The more you show a monster, <laughs> the more money it costs. Right. Uh, and, you know, by not showing the monster, you, you're saving millions of dollars, literally millions of dollars, because you don't have to build right. a monster. They accomplish it in the same way where the things happen just outside the frame of the camera. And right. for an audience member, you can think about it as you're kind of in the case of Blair Witch, maybe you're standing in the woods and you can hear somebody walking behind you. But you turn around and nothing's there. And then maybe while you're looking that direction, something walks behind you again. And that's pretty scary, I have to say. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting how they... So you have this limited field of view. And for creatures like humans who uh, rely so much on vision to navigate uh, their lives, it's we tend to think... We tend to actually not think about how limited our vision is. But our field of view really covers only one orientation, and that's in front of us. And the moment you move away even from the center of your field of view, it becomes not that accurate and sensitive to movement, but not really to shape. So you lose a lot of, of capacity to identify what the threat is. Our auditory sense is 360. It picks up everything around us. And that's the whole point of, of having an auditory sense is, is it allows you to become aware of things that are behind you. And just like you mentioned in a traditional horror movie, if you have something that's happening behind, like the monster is creeping up on someone from behind, there's going to be a shot where you will see both the victim and the monster, and you'll see the monster kind of pounce on. And that's what generates the, the horror. But in both Blair Witch um, and Unfriended, you know things are happening because you can hear them. But what's frustrating and what provokes such anxiety is that you can't see them. Yeah, I think for, for me, the most... The, the best example of this in Blair Witch was the kids laughing that scene 
in the tent and they're surrounded by the kids laughing. And that it creeped me out in 1999 and it creeped me out in 2021 <laughs> and it, it, it holds up. So just a little bit of, of background, I was watching a, a interviews and documentaries about uh, the making of Blair Witch. And that's uh, one instance where the actors were actually sleeping in a tent and they were woken up by the uh, director who had recorded children laughing on this big boom box and just blasted the sound of that for them in the tent. So part of the reactions that you see from um, the cast is genuine being creeped out by this stimulus that doesn't make sense. Like you would expect to hear branches breaking and like raccoons passing by, but a bunch of kids laughing in the woods is pretty creepy. I, I didn't know that. That's awesome. I love that story. And that's, that also speaks to the, the nature of independent filmmaking. You couldn't get an A-list celebrity to go camp in the woods while you make a film. You know, there has to be like a trailer nearby and, you know, they're not, they're not all snuggled up together in one tent because that's all you can afford. Right. Uh, and then that, like, I, I, I just love when uh, directors get, honest reactions like that through, through kind of like, I guess a little bit of trickery, but it makes, it makes it into the final film and it makes it that much more real and believable, which can be tough with untrained actors getting that right. believable performance. And I think they nailed it in, um, well, I, I think they nailed it in both of the films, actually Blair Witch and Unfriended, the, the acting, the responses unfriended right. because they were, they just felt like real people. They weren't trying to perform for the camera. Well, not all of them. I guess some of them were kind of right. had like the the douchey bro and stuff like that. But yeah. I, I can't imagine it was that far from reality. Yeah, I think Unfriended had a little bit more of kind of those personality archetypes that you uh, spontaneously identify or recognize. Blair Witch, it was a bit more of a hodgepodge. They felt real. They felt like you met those people in college. They were the ones always, you know, carrying a camera around. And I think that coming back to the the aspect of a very subjective point of view and a disconnect in terms of information that you're getting visually versus the sounds that you're hearing, I think all of that works to make the audience feel like they're there. There's no more distance between you and what's happening in the movie. The characters are real. The The dialogues don't seem to be scripted. They're meant to feel real. And the camera, the shaky camera, or the camera that's that's shaking is sometimes uh, breaking up in, in Unfriended because your Wi-Fi connection is not strong enough. All of these things are there to help you suspend your disbelief because you've experienced that before. You've gone camping. You've heard weird shit from the woods and... It was probably just a squirrel, but squirrels sound weird. You've been on a Zoom call, and at some point, the camera kind of glitches, or your internet connection freezes, and the person's kind of frozen this weird expression. It felt real because uh, there's no distance between the audience and, and the characters. That's a great point. And it also goes in with this idea of an invisible threat, the threat that you can't see because it can hide in the glitches. So when, and I think right. they do this a couple times in unfriended, the camera glitches out and then it cuts back to like, I think one of the characters was like stabbing themselves or something like that. Like the camera glitches again and it cuts back to other stuff happening. And so right. you don't see the initial action. So then it becomes that much more jarring when it does snap back into place. I think that's what I loved about, 
Blair Witch when it came out. And I think that's what also resonated with me when I watched Unfriended is there's no monster. There's no big manifestation of a spirit like we've talked about in in the Exorcism episode. It's not a slasher movie. You don't have someone carrying a machete and running after the characters. Ultimately, the horror comes from the characters doing things to themselves. You mentioned in Unfriended, one character stabs himself. There's another one that uh, uses a uh, blender in a way that should never be used. Um, yes. Ugh. And then in, in Blair Witch, we all think that there's a witch, that there's an effect, that there's some supernatural shenanigans that are happening, but ultimately we don't see anything. So the audience is left with how well they can fill in those blanks. And the worse your imagination is, or the more anxious you are, the bigger the threat you're going to put in this empty space. And I think that's why that movie works so well for some people and not for others when I, I didn't see anything. Did you see anything? Yeah, the the the, the lack of a monster is always something that I, I just I, I just love. I, I love how they are able uh, filmmakers are able to create that tension through the characters, through their actions or inaction and through the, the general group dynamic. So you're, you're, you're seeing the characters develop over time in relation to that kind of external factor, but then you as an audience have to give a face to that external factor and how the characters are reacting often will influence just how, big of a threat that external factor is. So when they're freaking out, you're freaking out because you're like, well, they're going to get eaten now or they're going to get whatever killed. But then they don't. So then you get to take a step back and you're like, okay, we'll calm down for a second. Maybe it wasn't that <laughs> for bad. a second. And then it starts up again and it creates that kind of cycle of tension that just, I think works for me much better in Blair Witch than unfriended unfriended right. had its moments but Blair Witch was throughout. There was that constant kind of roller coaster of emotions throughout, whereas Unfriended was much more focused towards the end of the film. There was a lot of these things happening at once. So, like, a character would, you know, put his hand in a blender. A character would, you know, whatever, die. And it was just like boom, 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 boom. A lot more quickly than Blair Witch, which spread that action out over really the whole film. Pacing was different, um, and the the amount of intervention from that sort of external threat was also a little bit different in the two movies. In both of them, it starts off as something that is plausible. Like in, in Blair Witch, they start to get lost, uh, even though when they're trying to follow the map. It doesn't. The woods seem to be manipulating them to create tension. And then there's the, the stick figures, and then there's the uh, finding the tooth, which incidentally was a real tooth. <laughs> they bought the tooth from uh, a dentist. Yeah, it's it's small little elements of supernatural that you can chuck off to, oh, it's just we got lost, or, or it's just this other realistic explanation. But when they start to pile up, slowly but surely, the realistic explanations start to sound less and less credible. In, I think you're right, in uh, Unfriended, it started with, it started slow in Unfriended with, like, there's a, a random person in our Skype call and random videos and can't get away. And then it accelerated really quickly in, like, the last half hour. 
So yeah, I think that the pacing worked better for Blair Witch, but I think in both cases, it's interesting to see that it's an accumulation of small little weird and strange to explain phenomena that helps build the horror instead of characters walking in a forest and lo and behold, there's a kaiju that comes out and eats everyone. Like, That's the yeah. next one, like Blair Witch, like five or whatever is uh, <laughs> kaiju Blair Witch. Do you want to talk about specific characters trapped in a specific location? Yeah, because I think that's that's something that helps generate a lot of, of anxiety. It was done differently in the two movies, but like I was mentioning, uh, there's something supernatural in Blair Witch that seems to keep them trapped in the forest, where they always end up in the same spot. And I think that's that's a good element to generate panic, because if we o- oversimplify what fear does to animals in general, independent of of the type of animal is you'll have three reactions, fight, flight, and freeze. In that case, fight, not a good option because there's nothing to fight. It's not a slasher movie where you can take a baseball bat to the head of that threat. Freezing, staying in place and hoping that the threat ignores you, not a valid option either. And then you would think, all right, well, let's, let's run away. But that's not possible. That's taken away from the characters by being stuck in that environment. So I think a lot of that, the tension in that movie is generated just by that aspect of you got an invisible threat and you're stuck in one location. You cannot escape. And that was also done in Unfriended. They're stuck in front of their computers. I think in Unfriended, they were sort of forced to freeze because the uh, the anonymous person in the Skype call said, if you hang up, you die. No, right. like, we don't, we're not going to die. And then somebody hangs up and they die. So, right. you know, then they're they They can't do anything except just wait yep. while stuff happens to their group. Yep. But the threat is not ignoring them. So freezing is not a good option. I think that's, that's the cool thing about in a lot of, of other movies, characters do engage in one of the three uh, because they can, and it turns out like a bad decision, but they try. In this, they just, they can't. There's nothing they can do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah, that's pro- probably a little bit more on the realistic side, if that makes sense. Like, you know, what would happen if the Blair Witch were real and not a made-up, you know, kind of horror construct urban legend? You, right. you wouldn't really be able to do too much to it. And I think that's where it felt so interesting to see these actors who didn't feel like they were acting, felt like they were trapped, felt like they couldn't run away. That last monologue from the, the main character in Blair Witch, who's just crying and confessing her guilt to the camera right before eventually not making it out, that sounded genuine. That was She was trapped in a tent, trapped in a forest from which she could not escape, and she was just hoping that her message would actually make it through. But yeah, you can feel the, the, the panic in her voice. It's not outright terror. She's not running away. She, it's just frozen panic that, that she's stuck. Yeah. Are you a uh, fight, flight, or freeze guy, Vince? I think we're all one of the three, depending on the situation. I think there's plenty of evidence that shows that there's going to be 
a, a variation between individuals in, in the kinds of responses they'll engage in, but it's also really circumstantial sometimes. And it's, that's, that's the beauty of the emotional systems in, in mammals, especially is it calculates what's my, what's my probability of surviving if I flee versus if I freeze versus if I fight. And that always takes into account that you know what to do, that you have the right kind of information in Blair Witch and in Unfriended. It's not explained exactly what the threat is. It a witch? Is it the spirit of the forest? Is it the spirit of the little children that were killed that just want more? Is it an evil that possessed the witch? We don't know. Same thing for uh, Unfriended. Yeah, un Unfriended, they try to give a little bit more context to it uh, through that like urban legend website. Here's what you do. Here's what you don't do. And, and you know, it turns out it doesn't work for them, but uh, I think there was more, they, they tried to do more of that world building in unfriended than they did in Blair, Witch. Blair, Witch was a lot more about the atmosphere, about the witch itself being an urban legend, but nobody really had a full picture of it. Whereas, the, the urban legend in Unfriended, it was a little bit more well-developed. They had a plan at very least of, okay, we do these things and that should stop it. They succeeded for different reasons. They definitely play with that fight, flight, flee mentality. But yeah, the, the, the characters never had a full picture. So how can they, how can they win when they don't know how to, they don't, they don't know exactly what they're up against. And I think that that's a, uh, you know, that, that's something that, kind of comes up in the other films that I mentioned too, that like paranormal activity does the same thing. It's ghosts. Right. But you know, what kind of ghosts are they? Cloverfield, it's just this big creature. So how do you beat that? Saw, you know, who's manipulating us? You know, spoiler. And then you had the, the cross genre, the cross genre in the last exorcism, which was an exorcism movie, but also filmed from the, uh, the documentary perspective. Mm -hmm. So, let me ask you this question. So you have Blair Witch that kind of is uh, uh, for the genre, the perfect storm, right timing, right kind of, of technology out there that makes it feel very realistic, right kind of promotional campaign and all the tricks from the directors to extract such a visceral performance from their three actors and then a few years later, you have Unfriended, which again tries to tap into the technology of the moment and make the movie feel really realistic, which really tries to make uh, the distance between the audience and the characters shrink so that you feel like it could happen to you. Seeing how that genre has evolved over the last 20 years, where do you see it going from the cinematography perspective? Do you think it's a genre that can still continue to exist or was it like a perfect moment in time and it'll go on the decline? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think those worked well for the moments in which they were created now because of the, all the technology changes between 2014 and now we would have to, you know, how, how do you deal with your character still being connected, but now on their phone and they can just go wander anywhere they want. You know, the spirit is the spirit going to get you out in the middle of, uh, you know, Times Square or something like that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I think we will see some really cool things in VR. This idea of fully immersive, interactive experiences where you as a viewer can 
turn around and try to see the horror that's behind you when you hear it. So you're not just locked into one camera viewpoint. You're, you're able to manipulate the world around you. And I don't think we're there yet for technology and for accessibility. If VR continues in the way that it has been within a few years, I think we're going to be at the cusp of where Blair Witch was with digital recording in 1999. Maybe in 2029, we'll have uh, the Blair Witch VR project or something like that. But I think somebody who masters that, who puts out a, a good horror, not even a film, I guess, horror experience in VR is going to change the way that we consume media in a similar way that Blair Witch did for the birth of digital horror and low budget horror. Uh, and I think we could see some really cool stuff with that. I'm excited for that, yeah, that, uh, that, that technology. That sounds promising. A, a full immersive horror experience in VR. Yeah. That'd, that, that'll be interesting. Do you think that Blair Witch will age well? I mean, it's already 20 plus years old, but do you think that as a movie for new audiences that have not seen it, because it, it became a bit of a, a, a cultural phenomenon, let's say in the following five or 10 years, do you think that now that that has tapered down, it's still going to age well and gain some interesting reactions from new audiences? I think it, it holds a spot for me because of like, I remember that time and I remember like it's, it's almost sentimental, which is kind of weird to say I've shown it to, I've shown it to my students who are, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old now. And they're like, okay, yeah, it was fine. But it like, it was old. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, like, it's not that old, but like realistically it's, you know, think about watching. I mean, we, we talked about Halloween. Halloween right. feels dated, uh, it but does. for somebody who saw it when it first came out, it might still have that appeal of, you know, oh, I remember when that came out. Like, it brings me back. It's still it's still kind of creepy. My mom is still afraid of the movie The Birds. I saw it when I was like 10, and I was like, it's not scary at all. And she's like, I don't know how right. you can watch this. So it's, I, I think it's, it's specific to our generation because we remember that transition to digital, to easily accessible digital. I feel okay. like unfriended might work for the next generation. But even then, I think that that's not as evergreen as Blair Witch. I think Blair Witch can still hold up if you are able to kind of suspend disbelief and be like, okay, like I imagine this is what happened in 1999. Whereas unfriended, you look at the technology and you're like, yeah, my operating system is not that. So this is old. Right. You, you mentioned Halloween and what was scary about that was the the kills were what generated the the, the anxiety and, and the fearful reaction. I think Blair Witch might age well, if only because the tension isn't built by anything that will age badly in terms of special effects or in terms of stunts. I think as long as people have a fair amount of imagination, creativity, and anxiety, which is which is what helps us fill in blanks when we know there's a threat, but we don't know what it is. As long as people have those characteristics, I think Blair Witch has a potential to remain uh, a powerful movie, never uh, as much as it was in 1999 when no one knew what the Blair Witch concept was, if it was real or, or fantasy. But 
I think as far as horror movies, because of its low tech and the fact that it relies on the audience to pour in their own horror, I think it'll age better than a lot of different movies. Great. That about wraps it up for found footage, huh? I think so too. All right. Well, thank you to the audience for joining us today. Uh, We'd love to hear your take on found footage, Blair Witch Project, Unfriended, any other found footage films you've seen or want to hear about. Feel free to message us on your choice of platforms. And And if you've uh, been to Burkittsville, Maryland, let us know if the woods (laughs) are alive. This has been The Dark Impression. I'm Dave. I am Vince. Until next time. Thanks for taking the time to listen to A Dark Impression. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Rating and reviews make the world a scarier place. Consider leaving one wherever you get your podcasts. A Dark Impression was produced and edited by Vince and Dave. All movies are copyright their respective sources. Music is from Adobe Stock. All rights reserved.